Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from CMS. I'm Trevor Smith and in this edition we turn our focus to pioneering women. Later we have an interview with India's first woman bishop, but first we get sporty. Goalball is a sport you may have heard of if you followed the 2012 Paralympic Games in London. Played by blind and visually impaired people, it's a three-a-side ball game played by rolling a ball containing bells between players and attempting to score by getting it over the opposition goal line at up to 60 miles an hour. Mission partner Berta Scoonby has been encouraging blind students at Kahini Secondary School in Rwanda to play the game for some years. Then she suddenly found herself thrust into the position of coach of the national squad for their first competitive international tournament. I was literally told to start the training camp the next day since hearing that I am the coach and they also selected the team that night so people were phoned and said please uh, you must be in the capital city tomorrow and the training camp of a week will start because in another week's time we will have to be in Nairobi. So we had about five days of training and these were guys who were not fit at all. They were in, ex- in exams and just finishing their final school exams and so on. So I had to get them fit and get them playing together and so on. It was a, quite a hectic schedule. But you already knew most of them, I think. I knew, yes. I have trained five of the six uh, myself, um, they have been in my school team and uh, some of them have moved on to um, university, so they were playing in the university team, but we meet them every year at the championships. We meet these old students, so I, I still had, uh, have good contact with them. So it was brilliant to be able to work together with these guys who, whom I started with right from the beginning seven years ago and now have them in a national team and go through this experience with them, see how they've developed, see how they've gained so much confidence, see see how they've developed as Christians. I, I had to live physically live with them for, for two weeks, first in a guest house in Kigali, walking with them to training, sharing every meal with them, actually serving them because many of them are totally blind, trying to teach them better table manners to make them presentable for the international hotel that we were going to. And all these things, it was an amazing experience. So this was the first serious kind of competition we went into. And it was great that we could at least beat Kenya and Ghana and then our major triumph was we were able to, uh, in the preliminary rounds, beat Morocco, who were the um, bronze medalists in the end. We couldn't beat them again, unfortunately, when we met them in the semifinals. But you made it to the semifinals. We then. did. And it was that was amazing. That was wonderful. It built up the, the spirit in the team such a lot. The day we beat, beat Morocco was brilliant. Um, the one guy, our main defender, woke up that morning and when I greeted them, when we went for breakfast, he said, I feel full of effort today. <laughs> and he was. He was an, he, he defended with like a lion that day. So uh, um, we were able to beat Morocco on that day. But you've seen, I think, some of your early students going on to be involved in um, blind sports and so on, different ways, what what have some of those done? Yeah, um, I started off uh, getting to know them as grade 8 students and now 
Um, some of them have finished university, um, studying journalism or education or things like that. And those guys have gone off and started the National Blind Sports Association. They felt there was a need for that. It's a um, kind of a sub um, it is under the National Paralympic Committee, and they're the guys now organizing the um, annual National Global Championships and finding the sponsors, trying or trying to find the sponsors, and um, being the master of ceremonies, organizing the whole thing and doing a brilliant job. They've come a long way. It's wonderful to see, and I praise the Lord for that, for the opportunity to see the fruit of of what He's done over the years, but also for the opportunity to still be involved with Him. To, um, I'm also on, on the committee of the National Blind Sports Association. They made me the counselor. So um, whenever a, a letter must be written in English, I must be the one to edit it or to correct them, or to, and I have to draft the plans, uh, the competition plan for the championships and so on. But it gives me opportunity to still witness to them and to um, many times give them advice about totally different things, not global, but life advice, um, because they trust me by now. They call me mom. <laughs> we can praise God for um, giving disabled people hope in Rwanda. Um, over the years, uh, we've seen opportunities open up for for people with disabilities, different kinds of disabilities, and also to thank God for locals, uh, Rwandan people, who, whom we see he raises up with a heart for disabled people to work with them, either as physiotherapists in rehabilitation or as teachers of the blind or just friends of blind students in these schools where they do inclusive education and and to ask for more of those and and for God to bless those in those um, positions who work with disabled people. Let's join Bertha in giving God praise for the progress people with disabilities are now beginning to make in Rwanda and other countries and pray for them as they continue to show their communities that they too can make a life for themselves and a valuable contribution to the lives of others. Now to Madagascar and a new link for CMS through the work of Bishop Todd McGregor, an American missionary bishop who served in Madagascar and Kenya for more than 20 years. He has a huge drive for evangelism and church planting and has grown a new diocese of Tulia from 300 to nearly 7,000 in just seven years. Now a legacy given through CMS for work in Madagascar is enabling him to build a new cathedral. The current church has only room for half the 400 plus attendees. Bishop Todd talked to Jeremy Woodham about the difficulties of raising up clergy among people denied access to education. But one of the trailblazers in his diocese is a woman, Nulavi. What's happened is, and part of our requirements for those who want to become a pastor or a clergy, have to have at least a high school degree. And so it's been very complicated in a place in southern Madagascar where, where the lowest percentage of, of people who are study finish primary school let alone high, you know, high school. So it's been very complicated in terms of that. But we've had a few few women who have come through our program who have received their degrees, and, and Nulavi is one of them. Nulavi is actually the daughter of the local shaman, uh, the local priest. 
uh, in the local culture. And he agreed that she could come and pray with us and, and she's committed herself to Lord Jesus Christ. And Nulavi's name means rejection because her father was having an affair with someone when she was born. But in the midst of all that, Nulavi came to faith in Christ, has brought a number of youth to Christ. And um, and we felt really blessed. I, I met with the parents, the shaman, and, and, the, and the father, because as soon as she got her, her high school degree, they wanted to send her to the capital to begin to work. But I sensed that she really had a calling, and so did my wife who discipled her. And so we said, Nulavi, you know, let's meet with your parents. So we met with her parents, and we talked about the possibility. And we said, your, your daughter is very gifted, and we think that she has lots of potential in the church, and she, that she can be a leader in the church. And the, the shaman said to me at that point, he said, he said, Bishop, I give you full authority over my daughter. I give her to you now. And this was a shaman who was speaking, who from a different culture, African traditional religion. Um, but he accepted what I said. And so we sent, we agreed to send her daughter to St. Paul's University. And so she studied for three years. She didn't even know the English language. And she struggled with it. I remember the first semester she said, Bishop, pray for me. I'm really struggling with the language. But she hung in there and she finished. And her, and her grade point average increased every year. And then she graduated last year. She is the first female, the first female in the province of the Indian Ocean to come out with a degree of divinity, a bachelor's of divinity. So we're very excited about her. She's a head of the, the Sunday school. She's a coordinator for Sunday school. And um, we're hoping that she will become our first female ordained in the Diocese of Tuliar. So we're, we're quite proud of, of that particular person in Nulavi, who's just been a huge blessing for us. Well, in Madagascar and your province ordains women? Uh... We, we have accepted to ordain in the province, but not every diocese has accepted that. Now, uh, lastly, just tell us what the connection is with CMS. You're visiting us here at CMS yeah, for well, a reason. Yeah, the main reason... Um, I mean, I've been wanting for some time to build a relation with uh, a CMS, and, and we, we have to some degree over the last uh, five or six years, partly because of this NGO, this nonprofit organization that I set up. We have members that live here in, in the UK as well as the US, and, and they function and partner with the Diocese of Tulliar as well as my wife Patsy and I. So all of our funds that are raised comes through CMS uh, from the UK. But we received this legacy, and what a, what a rich blessing. We received a legacy from someone here in the UK and uh, who has wanted to um, sponsor. The majority of it is going to go toward the building of our cathedral. Officially, last year, we became a new diocese. We've outgrown our, our area where we are. We only, have, we only hold 200. We have 400 people who are coming every Sunday. And so through this legacy, we are able now to build a cathedral in the Diocese of Tuliar. So we're very excited about that. And that's what's created uh, the opportunity for us to look. And the Lord's doing something. And so I want to be part of whatever the Lord's doing. And so that, that's kind of the way that I live my life in Madagascar, as I tell people. I can't figure out all what the Lord's doing, but He's doing something, and I'm just trying to figure that out and follow Him. So that's where He's brought us today, and I, I look forward to what He's going to continue to develop in our partnership and, and relationship with CMS. And can you just give us two or three big things to be praying for for your work in Madagascar in the coming months? 
One thing we can pray for right off is the construction of the cathedral, which we hope to do in September, and just pray that everything will come together regarding the contracts and so on. The second thing is in terms of leadership, that we pray for local leadership to be raised up in the terms of clergy in Madagascar. We have lots of lay leadership that's being raised up, and that's going very well. But but the, the, the second big thing would be in terms of clergy. And the third thing is in terms of uh, that people would pray that we'd be able to come up with an economic coordinator um, so that we can help to become self-sustaining as a diocese. And so those are the main three things. So for the construction of the cathedral, for the coordinated economic development, yep, and then for the raising up of leaders. Bishop Todd McGregor with his urgent prayer points for God's growing church in Madagascar. Now from one missionary bishop to another, and a true first. In June, CMS was delighted to welcome a very special visitor, Bishop Agoni Pushpa Lalita of the Diocese of Nandial in the Church of South India, the first woman bishop in India. Bishop Pushpa grew up in an agricultural family in Andhra Pradesh, was nurtured in faith by her parents, grandparents and by women missionaries. Her parents even sold land in order to give her an education. Sarah Holmes asked her about those early years, her developing call and the place of women in the church. When I was a little girl, I really belonged to the agricultural family, a small village, but uh, only 10 families are Christians. But it's uh, fantastic. Our faith journey was very strong with Christ. Every day we used to have a, a prayer in, in our church. At home also we, have, we used to have, a, I grew up a Christian nurtured by our parents and our grandparents. I'm very thankful for them. And also, uh, I'm very thankful the missionaries, those who have served in our area. All of them are women missionaries, and uh, they did a wonderful work in our area. How did you come to having a life yes. as uh, a Christian leader? Was that something your parents wanted? Yes. Actually, I'm very happy to tell. And I studied in a Christian schools and Catholic colleges. And my parents wanted me to be a good Christian and a very disciplined and to be a witness Christian. And that's why they sold the land and they gave a good education for me. And also this uh, education, this the missionaries as well as the sisters, uh, those were, were becoming my role model. But I never thought I would become a priest, I would become a bishop. I wanted to be a, a just lecturer, but I wanted to help for others. So you wanted to be a lecturer? Yeah, but uh, it didn't happen. It's a, really it's a call of God. Uh, I entered into this field because uh, missionaries and those who worked in our, in our area, and they came and they asked me, come and take up this uh, uh, mission work uh, to be a, um, before leaving they asked me like that but I refused but I had a, a call of God I heard the voice of the Lord and also I have seen the presence of the Lord in that uh, in my room and then I prepared the call after theological college also without ordination I worked in the parish mm. and uh, by the grace of God I succeeded the congregation people went to the bishop and they themselves asked to give ordination so on to Amma because she is working more than a man. 
It's so lovely to see you're so enthusiastic and so grateful for the position. Yes, I too happy because the Lord has uh, uh, put me, because being a woman, so many people told us it's impossible. But in the sight of God, everything is possible. Every human is equal in his sight. And also every person is very precious. And you don't know if you are depending upon God, the Lord will lift you up. You can see the wonders. Only the thing is you have to bind with him. Mission means to, to be witness and to evangelize. The, the savior of the world and the salvation and how the Lord has redeemed us how the Lord is uh, guiding us, how the Lord is uh, making, making us to be happy in this world, how we are receiving the, uh, God's grace in different ways uh, that is my mission and also I am really uh, thinking of the education and the woman ministry orphans and uh, ours is a village congregations. I want to keep them in the hostels, give a good education. And also, I want to give a health care. Well, of course, government is taking care of a lot. But still, uh, it may not reach uh, the needy people. But uh, in that needy, uh, needful time, the church should be at their doors. So I want to do that also. And do you think the church is helping with yourself as um, a role model do you think the church is in in your diocese is really sort of helping to empower women actually i like but it's a good question Uh, yes no because uh, really empowering without women there is no church they are the founders of the church directly and indirectly see, for a saviour of Jesus Christ, the Mary has given her mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. For the proclamation of her resurrection, Mag- Mary Magdalene searched and she found and she faced Jesus. She was the root cause of this proclamation of gospel. She was the first evangelist. She encountered with Jesus. So she without a woman, there is no church. Mm. I really wanted to ask you to pray for the whole world to live in peaceful life. And also, I'd like to pray for the church, whole church, must be the witnesses and to be one, united. The third one is, I'm really very praying for that all the believers, not only the believers, all the people of God, the whole humanity, must know we are all belong to the family of God and uh, that helps us to lead a better life and a hopeful life in the future. Mm. Thank you. May we all share Bishop Pushpa's hope for the future. To round up this edition, our reflection is brought to us by Debbie James, another pioneering woman as CMS's new Director of Church and Community Mission. This month, CMS celebrates the graduation of the first student to complete our Pioneer Leadership Training course, Andrea Campanale. CMS has a rich history of pioneers, 
people who have responded to God's call to break new ground and reach people who might often be on the margins of society or beyond the edges of church. This audio mission podcast reminds us that God continues to call pioneers today with stories of three pioneering women breaking new ground. Berta Scoonby, working in Rwanda, has reached out to those with disabilities, investing in the lives of many young people. She has even helped raise up a new generation of pioneers, seeing some of her early students go on to complete their university education and start the National Blind Sports Association. Todd McGregor tells us about another pioneering woman, Nulavi, in Madagascar. The daughter of a local shaman, Nulavi came to faith in Jesus and has since led others to follow Jesus too. Todd describes her as a gifted leader. She has committed herself to theological studies, facing the challenge of mastering another language, and is now the first woman in the province of the Indian Ocean to have a bachelor's degree in divinity. And we have listened to Bishop Pushpa, who, having set her heart on becoming a lecturer, describes how she very clearly heard the call of God and followed that call to become a church leader. She is now the first woman bishop in the Church of South India, where she is committed to proclaiming the good news of Jesus. As I reflect on how each of these women has faithfully responded to the call of God to break new ground in the service of God and others, I recall words from the prayer to the Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. Debbie James bringing this edition of Audio Mission from the Church Mission Society to a close. I'm Trevor Smith saying thank you for listening and thank you for your prayers. See you next time to hear more voices of God's mission around the world.